On the 25th anniversary of the Tiananmen uprising and the Beijing massacre, it's worth remembering that Zhao Ziyang was the only top Chinese leader to oppose the student suppression. He suffered 16 years of house arrest as a consequence. Reflections from Asia this week will consist entirely of Zhao's own words on the crucial issue of China's political reform. These words were recorded in his memoir, Prisoner of the State, published by Simon & Schuster in 2009, in the final chapter entitled, The Way Forward. Quote, after I stepped down in 1989, and with the changes that occurred both at home and abroad, I started to develop a new understanding of China's political reform. I once believed that people were the masters of their own affairs, not in the parliamentary democracies of the developed nations in the West, but only in the Soviet and socialist nation systems, with a People's Congress making the latter system more advanced and a better realised form of democracy. This, in fact, is not the case. The democratic systems of our socialist nations are all just superficial. They are not systems in which the people are in charge, but rather are ruled by a few or even a single person. In fact, it is the Western parliamentary democratic system that has demonstrated the most vitality. This system is currently the best one available. It is able to manifest the spirit of democracy and meet the demands of a modern society and it is relatively more mature system. Of course, this system is not perfect. It has many problems. Yet, relatively speaking, this system is best suited to a modern civilization, more adaptable to shifts in public opinion and most capable of realizing democracy. Moreover, it is more stable. The vitality of this system has grown increasingly clear. Almost all developed nations have adopted a parliamentary democracy. In the past few decades, the newly emerged nations, with their fast-paced development, have illustrated more clearly the trend to converge on a parliamentary democratic system. I am certain this is not by chance. Why is there not even one developed nation practicing any other system? This shows that if a country wants to modernise, to realise a modern market economy, it must practise parliamentary democracy as its political system. Of course, it is possible that in the future a more advanced political system than parliamentary democracy will emerge. But that is a matter for the future. At present, there is no other. You are listening to the recorded views of former Chinese communist leader Zhao Ziyang. Quote, based on this, we can say that if a country wishes to modernise, not only should it implement a market economy, it must also adopt a parliamentary democracy as, as its political system. Otherwise, this nation will not be able to have a market economy that is healthy and modern, nor can it become a modern society with a rule of law. Instead, it will run into the situations that have occurred in so many developing countries, including China. Commercialization of power, rampant corruption, a society polarized between rich and poor. However, it must be noted that parliamentary democracies exist primarily in the developed nations and emerging ones. 
Some of the developing countries practiced parliamentary politics early on, but could not fully realize its potential, and problems developed. The government had trouble exercising its authority. Society was not stable enough. Military coups were staged, using these problems as an excuse. This also shows that parliamentary democracy, which is a modern, advanced, civilized and mature, must have certain necessary conditions, and that not just any nation can adopt and use it well. Given current conditions in China, we must establish that the final goal of political reform is the realizations of this advanced political system. If we don't move towards this goal, it will be impossible to resolve the abnormal conditions in China's market economy, issues such as unhealthy market, profiting from power, rampant social corruption, and a widening gap between rich and poor. Nor will the rule of law ever materialize. In order to resolve these problems, we must in concrete terms conduct political reform with this as our goal. On the other hand, given the reality in China, we need a relatively long period of transition. The experiences of other Asian nations are worthy of our attention in this regard. For example, territories and nations such as Taiwan and South Korea have gradually made the transition from their old systems to a parliamentary system and have had positive experiences that we would benefit from studying. In China, for the sake of a smoother transition, at least for a while, we should maintain the ruling position of the Communist Party while changing how the party rules. It might still be the right approach. This would be a good starting point. First, because it would help maintain stability in society and create a good environment for economic, social and cultural development. And second, it would facilitate a smooth transition to a more mature, civilized and democratic political system as economic, social and cultural conditions change. In other words, we should not rush to copy wholesale a new political system all at once. However, we must march towards this goal and absolutely should not move in the opposite direction. We must refrain from perverse actions that don't facilitate or are even subversive to achieving this goal. How long this transition lasts must be determined by social developments. It is critical that the leadership of the Communist Party adhere to this belief. Then it can respond skillfully to circumstances as they arise, gradually, step by step, according to the right priorities. If the final destination is a parliamentary democracy, the ruling party must achieve two breakthroughs. One is to allow other political parties and a freer press to exist. This can happen gradually, but it must be pursued. The second breakthrough is having democracy within the party. That is, the party needs to adopt democratic procedures and use democratic means to reform itself. In the past, during the war years and the early years of the Republic, there was a need to emphasize centralization and discipline. However, it will be impossible to make the transition from a revolutionary party to a governing party and to lead society's transition to a system of parliamentary politics if the party doesn't practice a thorough democratic system within itself. 
the existence of legitimate differences of opinion must be allowed within the party. Even Chairman Mao said that the minority should be protected in the party. Different opinions must be allowed to exist and different factions should be made legitimate. In debates and competitions, different sides within the party should all observe the same rules. It would be wrong if our party never makes the transition from a state that was suitable in a time of war to a state more suitable to a democratic society. This breakthrough must occur. Of course, there will be the issue of the nationalisation of the military. More important, the reform of the legal system and an independent judiciary should take precedence. Our hope is for the ruling position of the Communist Party to be maintained for a considerable period of time so that the transition can be made under its leadership and preparation made in an orderly manner. As for how long the Communist Party keeps its ruling position, this should be determined by the consequences of society's political openness and the competition between the Communist Party and other political powers. If we take the initiative and do this well, the ruling position of the Communist Party could be maintained for a very long time. However, this ruling position must not be maintained by using the Constitution to monopolise this status. Rather, the party must be made to compete for it. I believe that this is ultimately a worldwide trend that we cannot defy. If we act with initiative, it will be beneficial to the party, society and the people. Any other approach will be harmful. The trend is irrefutable, that the fittest will survive. As Sun Yat-sen said, Worldwide trends are enormous and powerful. Those that follow them prosper. Those who resist them perish. I believe the time has come for us to tackle this issue seriously. Unquote. Was Zhao Ziyang alone in his thinking about democracy for China? In his memoir, Zhao gives a brief but fascinating assessment of Hu Yaobang's view of political reform. Quote, Hu Yaobang was a quite generous and tolerant man. He advocated implementing a more tolerant social policy, especially with intellectuals, towards whom he had always been empathetic and tolerant. In past decades, when class struggle and constant political campaigns dominated the scene, he rarely took any extreme actions. After the third plenum of the 11th Central Committee, when he was director of the organization department as well as general secretary of the Central Committee, he actively overturned cases of condemned rightists, removed the branding of them as landlords and rich peasants, and reinstated many of the wrongly convicted. Against opposition and resistance, he insisted on overturning all such cases regardless of when they had occurred. When he was General Secretary, whenever social problems emerged, including demonstrations, he always advocated the principle of reducing tensions and opposed heavy-handed measures. Even for cases related to hooliganism and petty crimes, he promoted the use of multiple approaches in dealing with them. He opposed the strike-hard campaigns that rounded up and detained large numbers of people. He was very much against the frequent use of dictatorial means. 
Even though he did not specifically or clearly express his views or his plans for political reform, the ideal he sought was more democracy and freedom in China's socialism, to enable people to live in a democratic and free environment with a spirit of enthusiasm. Just before he stepped down, he was personally in charge of drafting the resolution on the building of a socialist spiritual civilization, which included this paragraph. The resolution reads, In the history of mankind, in the struggle of the newly emerged bourgeoisie and the working class against feudal dictatorship, the formation of the ideas of democracy, freedom, equality and fraternity greatly liberated the human spirit. The most important negative lessons learned during the development of socialism were, first, neglecting development of the economy, and second, failing to build real democratic politics. After the third plenum of the 11th Central Committee, our party has stressed that without democracy there can be no socialist modernization. It is ready to promote the democratization of party and state political affairs. Recently, the Central Committee emphasized the issue of political reform, the goal of which is to expand socialist democracy and to perfect the socialist legal system. This is Zhao Ziyang writing about Hu Yaobang's view of political reform. Quote, From all this it can be seen that Hu Yaobang undoubtedly sought democracy, even though he had not yet come up with a specific structure or model for the socialist democracy he had defined, I believe that if he had continued as leader of the party and the state, as situations emerged in our country and abroad, and given the worldwide democratic trend, he would have pushed China's political reform forward along the path of modernizing the political system and democratization. Unquote. You've been listening to former top Chinese communist leader Zhao Ziyang giving his views on political reform and democracy in China and then on Huobang's views on political reform. Zhao's opinions were taken from his memoir, Prisoner of the State, published by Simon Schuster in 2009.